Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We continue our series under pressure. I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of James. James chapter five is where we're gonna camp out this morning. Uh, it is so good to be home. It's so good to be with you. Steve Roach two weeks ago, Kevin Scott this past Sunday, didn't they do a great job? Would y'all thank the Lord for them? It's such a great job. Uh, I got to listen. One of those, we were on a on a trip for our anniversary this past week. I, and I'll tell you a little bit more. I was on a baseball mission trip, and I'll fill you in a little bit more. But I'm really glad. Uh, yesterday, I put out a little note on Facebook uh, looking for people to come and bring backpack blowers to blow our campus because leaves on trees are beautiful, leaves in parking lots stink, all right? And so we had a big group of guys show up this morning with backpack blowers, but somebody in the middle of that thread went, are you retiring? They just put in the middle of the thread. I went, not that I know of. Okay, so we're really, really glad to be here today. If you've got your, ba your baseball app, if you've got your North Star app out, I've been on a baseball trip already. If you got your North Star app out, it's probably the easiest way to follow along is North Star Church, Georgia, that Megan uh, down here and our host in True North was just talking about. But we're really glad you're here. James talks about pressure. There, back even then, finances, money, caused pressure. It caused tough times. It caused calamity a little bit about what we're gonna talk about this morning. So as James authored this, remember this letter is going to this group of early believers in the church, and James is telling them this. How you live... How you live out this journey should be a little different than everybody else. James chapter five, would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? James chapter five, we're gonna read six verses. If at any point I'm saying something you're not reading, just look up and we'll, we'll chat about it. Verse one, look here, you rich people. Weep, groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth, it's rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat, your, eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you've hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated of their pay. The cries of the harvest of your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter and you've condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Well, welcome to North Star. I'm really glad uh, you're here today. It makes you feel really good. I'm gonna tell you though, what James writes to them when we unpack this speaks big time into our lives. Would you pray with me? Right where you are, right where you're standing this morning, will you ask the Lord to speak to you? You may be tuning in online. You may be up in True North or the theater or sitting out on the patio. Would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you ask him to show you what he wants you to know? 
Father, we invite you in today. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to gather with us, to meet with us, to teach us right out of your word. Would you just empower these words this morning, Father, from your word to speak into our lives. God, we wanna walk out of here in a few minutes a little different than we walked in. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around, find two or three people around you. Welcome to North Star, would you? And we will get going. <clears throat> All right. What in the world was James trying to, listen, this is a pretty harsh letter to them. This is a pretty harsh, pretty tough set of words. Why did he write this? All right, let's, let's say this, number one. Because money back then caused people trouble. And it created trouble. Now, it doesn't do that anymore. But back then, money caused people trouble. And it created lots of trouble. And James writes to this early church to address some of that trouble. There are times that coaches meet with teams and they have closed door meetings where things need to be said. There are times you've sat around a dinner table maybe with your family and you've had a family discussion and it wasn't an easy one or it wasn't a smooth one. What James is doing to this early church is he's having a closed door meeting. He's going, all right, we need to talk about this. And so here's the word at the top. I want you to write this word down, then we're gonna dive out our notes, ready? Influence. He wanted them to gain influence, not lose influence. He understood that the majority of people weren't believing like they were believing, which meant their life's is gonna stand out and their life's gonna look a little different because here's what's happening with this group of people. They're believing what the early church is believing, but they're not living like God created for them to live. So let me say this at the top, money. Money is neither good or bad. Money's inanimate. What you do with it's good or bad. Money's inanimate. Is God against people being rich or people having money? Absolutely not. God is never against you holding something. He's against things holding you. Does that make sense to everybody? So let's dive in. Ready? Here we go. We're gonna unpack. We're gonna walk through this and unpack it. God cares about, number one, if you got your little outline, you're gonna thumb it in or you're writing down notes this morning. He cares about how we view money. He cares about it. Because since time was beginning, money has caused lots of trouble and created lots of hardships. Look at what he says. Look here, you, what's the next word? Oh, help me out. Look here, you what people? Rich. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes 
are moth-eaten rags. And we're like, well, here at the top, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not rich. So I want you to write down, rich slash blessed. You could take this one of two ways. You may go, Mike, I am not rich. By any standard, am I not rich? But would it be safe to say if we live in Northwest Cobb County, Paulding County, in this Northwest Atlanta community, we are blessed. Would y'all agree with that? We're blessed. So this hit me. So I'll tell you, I'm gonna go forward before I go backward. Friday, I was driving in. We have a gentleman at North Star that was uh, invested, they call it investiture. He is the new president of the University of North Georgia, which is awesome. So I got to go, and he's a veteran, so they did it on Veterans Day weekend. It was an amazing event. So I got to be a part of his ceremony on Friday. So I'm driving back from Dahlonega, and while I'm on Chastain Road, I see this building, and it wasn't this building, but it's extra space storage. What kind of facility is that? Does anybody know? A storage facility, yes or no? Does anybody live in there? We hope not, all right, so we hope not. We have storage facilities, facilities, for all our extra what? And they're air conditioned. Now, is that wrong? No. But there are more of these being built than houses. Why? Because we've got so much. We're so blessed in this community that we live in. What'd you talk about here? We're so blessed in this community that we live in. We have to keep building buildings, not that we can just back up our truck and throw junk inside. No, it needs to be climate controlled. We need to make sure that if I did have to live there one day, things don't turn out well with Ann. All right, and I do have to move into one of these. I, I wanna make sure I'm not sweating and all that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with it. But we have to build these for extra stuff. Thursday night, I flew in from a trip that I'd been on all week. Last Sunday morning, the reason I couldn't be here with you, I was sitting on an airplane flying to the Dominican Republic to be a part of a baseball mission trip. That is my kind of mission trip, all right? And so it was a baseball mission trip in the DR. I may or may not have given out some cards about moving here, but anyways, it's such a whole nother deal. Um, we taught baseball week and we served churches. So this is a few of the pictures from the week. The first one there is a baseball field, and this is a very, very nice baseball field in the Dominican. Um, most of you would not allow your kids to play on that field. It's full of rocks, it's full of holes, it's full of stuff. That's the foul line that, that runs down through there. On the right is the picture of one of the houses that, is, that was right outside my bus as we pulled up to serve a church in one of the communities. So we taught baseball all morning, taught skills all morning, and did some scripture with it, which was really cool, gave out the gospel. But in the afternoons, we, would, we went to partnerships all over the DR, and that was one of them. This is a group of those kids that were there, great kids. You'll see a young man on the end, a young man in the back, a young man here on the back corner. They were able to watch, but they couldn't participate because they don't own a glove. 
They played barehanded. Two most talented kids I saw down there all week did not own gloves. Now the cool part, all right, time out, hold the picture. Time, cool part was we took a ministry out of First Baptist Woodstock, one of our partner churches, and it's called Gloves for God, and they went down there for kids. Some of the kids had gloves that were just falling apart, and these people put gloves back together. They restrung gloves while we were out there, and we also gave all those kids gloves, by the way, before we left there. Most kids at Adams Park, Ackworth Park, Oregon Park, do they own gloves, yes or no? Yes. Why, we're blessed. Next picture. We got to teach these kids about baseball, but we also got to pray with those kids. And I'd ask them, so when I did my little lesson at the end, and I said, why do you wanna play baseball? Why do you love baseball? Was my question. You ever feel like you talk louder when you're using an interpreter? But anyway, so I was going, why do you love baseball? And they're like, we hear well, all right? You can calm down now. So I said, why do you love baseball? Number one, number one, because one day I can provide for my mom. Number one response of the week. If I went to the average elementary school, middle school here in Cobb County, in Paulding County, I don't think they're saying I wanna grow up and do well so I can provide for my mom. No. Strike that picture next to the storage picture that I drove up and saw after flying in from that trip. So James writes this letter to them, and look at what he says. This corroded treasure you've hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Here's what James was saying. You are laying up treasure somewhere that ain't gonna make it. Here's the crazy part, a little history lesson. Less than 10 years later, Jerusalem was overrun by the Romans and all of their wealth was taken. Isn't that crazy? So all that they had stored up in less than 10 years, a group of Romans invaded Jerusalem and took it. And James has told him, he said, listen, it's not meant for you to hoard. I want you to write down two words, ready? And we're gonna unpack these and we're gonna move on. Steward, owner. Here was the problem. They were acting like they owned it. And James was saying, it doesn't matter problem is it's owning you. Stewards understand it's not mine. I'm just letting it pass through. Owners go, I got to take care of it. I got to put it away. I got I to gotta have enough for a rainy day. And James is like, you're missing it. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe this is true whether you make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year. I don't think it matters. I think what matters is what we do with what we have. Here's the word that was missing for them. They weren't content. They weren't content with what they had. Listen, set goals, set standards, set men. Listen, I hope, I hope God blesses you in amazing ways. Just don't ever let it own you. Does that make sense to everybody? That's what James was saying to them. Does everybody got that? It doesn't. It doesn't matter the amount. What matters with it is, do I own it or does it own me? 
God also cares about number two, how we get money. That's why he wrote what he wrote. Listen to what he said. For listen, verse four, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have, what's the next word? You know why they were rich? They were cheating people. The owners, quote unquote, were getting rich on the people that were doing the work. And so they've accumulated money because they cheated. And then in verse six, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. They coerced the judges of the day so you could know if, if a person had wealth during this time, they had power. And if they had power, they got money any way they wanted to. You know how God wants us to earn money? Proverbs talks all about it. I want you to write these two words down. Hard work. That's how God wants us to earn money. Hard work. Not against you having money. So don't read this and go, wow, God really hates money. That is not true. What God is writing about through James is how it's gotten. They coerced people. They cheated people. It wasn't right. Proverbs says, Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase at hard work. One thing my parents left me a legacy of was hard work. My dad worked in the same company for 45 plus years. My mom worked at the same bank for 35 plus years. They worked hard. My mom, I used to bring home grades and she's like, I know you didn't do well in that, but just get up and work hard. She used to use this phrase, Mike, you're well-rounded, which means you're not smart and you're not pretty, but work hard, all right? And so that's basically what she would say, right? Work hard. Still works, doesn't it? Still works. I told our kids, if you will get up every day, show up early, and work hard, you will do whatever in life you wanna do. Can we agree with that? Because we've gone through a season here in our country where people just don't wanna work. Everywhere we'd go during the pandemic, remember when you'd drive up to a drive-through and it would be closed, nothing would be open? Everywhere we went, I would just say this, nobody wants to work anymore. I mean, it's like nobody wants to work anymore. So we're on a Friday night after a high school football game, we're sitting in a drive-through and we pull up and they're like, we're closed, we closed at 7.15, right? Tonight we just tried, it's supposed to be open until 10, closed at 7.15 and there's a sign on the window and I went, God, nobody wants to work anymore. And I hear snickering in the back seat and I'm like, well, what's so funny? Evidently, every time I said that, they were keeping a tally of it and they were sending it to each other like, Dad, that's like 45 now that you've said, let it go. Hard work wins though, right? Hard work wins. Finally, number three, God cares about how we use it. Whether it's 20 or 200, whether it's 200 or 2 million, he cares about how we use it. Listen to what verse three said. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. They stored it up. You know why they stored it up? They didn't trust that God would provide for them tomorrow. 
They're like, I, I can't provide. I, I gotta take care of me. I gotta take care of my family. So they hoarded it. They, they brought it in. They didn't share it. They hoarded it. They weren't content. Children of Israel, when God provided manna, they didn't have anything to eat, and God would provide manna. You know what they would do? So he wouldn't give it on um, their day of Sabbath. God rested, but he would give them a little extra the day before, but people would try to hoard it up. It's just like this. Verse five, you spent, four, you spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Not only did they store it, I want you to write this down, they wasted it. They had been so blessed. And they, they just wasted it. They threw it away. Don't everybody look at me. Most people will say, most pastors will say, I hate talking about money. And I would tell you, I do not. And here's why. Because if we can get this right, it can change how you live. It can change the joy that you get to live with. So at North Star, we've always taught since day one. And this is what we taught my children. It's what my parents taught me. Learn to live off 80% of what you make. Give the Lord 10 and save 10. And I remember doing that. And I remember those early years that, I mean, those numbers didn't add. They didn't work. But somehow God always provided. Why? Because God can get done what he wants to get done if I don't live like this. And I live like this. So Mike, today's message is because North Star's struggling. No, North Star's doing better than we've ever done. This has nothing to do with it. This has everything to do with you. So get, get this, it's crazy. So I was just on a trip with a, with a company called um, Convoy of Hope. <clears throat> we what we went to our, over our anniversary. It's a phenomenal organization uh, that does stuff all over the world. But I was with a guy, he works with, investors and he said, Mike, the average American, get this now, the average American gives away 2% of their income to charities or nonprofits or churches, 2%, the average American. I was like, God, that's awful. What do, what do Christians give? Two and a half. I tip more at Taco Bell now, percentage-wise, than what I may honor the Lord with. That's crazy. I, honest to goodness, think James could write this letter to me and you. Do y'all agree? Here's what I'm gonna tell you. If you can figure this out and live like this, Make all the money you want. Why? It ain't sticking. I think one of the reasons we've all loved the story of Truett, Kathy, and Chick-fil-A is he didn't let money stick. He let it pass through. I pray you do amazing things in this world and make all that you can and partner with Diane Searles and her teams on the ground doing missions down in Haiti and the DR. 
I, I want you to. What James is going is, it's getting sticky. And it's sticking to you. I think of how we've been blessed as a church. What would happen if everybody gave 10? We would never do a building campaign. We would never, why? Because you'd have more money than you know what to do with. Final point. It feels good to give. It feels good. I have never met a giving person that wasn't fun to be around. Why, they're just different. This week, we ended one of our sessions. One of the best kids I saw all week was a left-hander. I wish I could show you the video and break it down. This kid was unbelievable. I don't know who's taught him or if it's just natural. I don't have a clue. But the kid's form was unreal. Problem with it, he didn't have a glove. So the little kid that I taught with all week that did the clinic with me, he's a high school baseball player in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a senior. His dad passed when he was a little boy and his mom brought him on the trip. It's a crazy story. But this kid had a glove. He's had his whole career. He's a senior in high school. And we got done with our clinic and that little boy had used Connor's glove the whole time. Oh my gosh, there, they got it up. That's Connor, senior in high school. That's his, his glove. Any baseball player knows, you got your glove. And left-hander, left-handers are odd people, all right? And so he's a lefty too, which is, makes the story even crazier. You don't find left-handed gloves laying around in the DR. When this thing got over that day, Connor pulled that little boy over and said, I want you through our interpreter to have my glove. And I watched this 13, 14 year old kid with big old tears running down his cheeks, dripping onto his shirt as he just reached around and held on to Connor and thanked him for his glove. And I watched Connor cry. I watched his mother cry. Partly she was proud, then partly because she was gonna have to go buy a new one. All right, and so I'm not really sure why she let so many tears out. Giving feels good. Connor said, I can get another glove. I don't know if this other kid, this kid will ever have one. Do I live like this? Or do I live like this? Would you pray with me? Hmm. God, I fight selfishness every day and I'm so stinking blessed. As a 54-year-old guy, I worry about money more now than I probably did at 28. I just didn't know what I didn't know back then. Father, my prayer over our people today is this, that God, at the end of the day, we will trust you and we will live open-handed. God, I can say this with full assurance and full promise because since the age of 22, for 32 years, I've watched you always provide and provide more than I deserved. 
Father, my prayer over our family here at North Star this morning is that we get it and we understand it. And that God, we can be the people you created us to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.